Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Support for this podcast is provided by Subtruck Law. Revolution Recap thanks Subtruck Law for their support of our show, local independent media, and their mission of bringing unbiased truth. Revolution Recap would also like to thank Six Point Builders for their support. Six Point Builders are builders of fine custom homes in the Boston metropolitan area. Welcome to another episode of Revolution Recap, part of the Believe Network, coming to you after the New England Revolution had a 0-0 draw to start off their League's Cup campaign with the New York Red Bulls and then lost on penalty kicks, which means the Revolution have started the League's Cup with one point while the Red Bulls start with two. Should note, it's a three-team group, top two teams advance, so the Revs are still in an okay shape. They control their own destiny. If they beat San Luis on Wednesday, they would advance. Uh, Greg, that wasn't the best game I've ever seen. (laughs) How's it it going? (laughs) Yeah, first League's Cup game in Revs history, and I think that one's going to be the worst one for quite some time, not just result-wise, but from an entertainment standpoint, it was absolutely boring. There was no crowd there. Um, The Red Bulls finishing was terrible. There was really no attacking offense from the Revolution. Uh, This really seemed like a preseason game, not a game in July. So all the way around, a, a pretty horrible game that, truth be told, uh, this won't be my favorite game to talk about, uh, but uh, we'll, we'll we'll push forward. And, and I should say for those listening that may not recognize, I'm Sean Donahue, joined by Greg Johnstone uh, today. Who it's good good to have you back on. I you know we haven't we haven't had a chance to do one together in a while. It seems like you've been alternating, so it's nice to nice to do one together. Yes, uh, everyone loves a good Greg and Sean episode. It reminds them of the uh, COVID years and the Brad Friedel era when we were doing this basically every single week. So. <laughs> Yeah, but that was that was not the uh, most exciting game. I I was woken up quite early this morning by my daughter. I was hoping the Revs game would get me excited and get me going and uh, get some energy and life back. It to be did not do a very good job of that, but I will try to to power through anyways. Um, before we go any further, though, I did want to take a, a moment to talk about or to to mention the news about Brad Knighton's daughter Olivia passing away this past week in a tragic accident. Uh, just just awful to hear that, and our our thoughts and prayers are with that with that family. And you know, there's a, a GoFundMe up there if you have the opportunity. We, we've shared the link on Twitter to to you know use that and and donate money there. That'd be great. Uh, but just our wanted to mention our, our thoughts and prayers are with the the Knighton family. An awful thing for them to be going through. Just terrible. Yeah, I, I can't imagine the pain and grief the Knighton family is going through. So, um, and, and I will say, if you can't find the link, you can reach out to us on revolutionrecap at gmail.com and we'll point you in the right direction. Um, and, and before we jump into our takeaways, I'll take a quick moment to mention our sponsor. Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get on the action. Remember to use promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, for 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. With that, let's get right into our key takeaways brought to you by our friends at the Rebellion Supporters Group. Be sure to check them out on Twitter at Any Rebellion and on their website, anyrebellion.org. Greg, what is your takeaway from this one? Well, we could talk about how this Red Bull press seems to really be the Revs kryptonite, um, really pressing, I think, in general takes Carlos Hill out of the game, uh, and I, I think it, it really kind of limits this team um, 
it seems like w- without Carlos Hill being able to do Carlos Hill things, the team is a little bit lost. And I don't want to really jump the gun too, too hard because you look at this midfield, you have Noel Buck uh, coming back from injury. This is his first game since June 17th. You have Ian Harks, who has been with the team. I think this is his third game. You have Mark Anthony Kay. This is his first game. So you have a very uh, new midfield that's still kind of getting used to each other. And it was very, very choppy uh, throughout this game. Uh, but that being said, the lack of being able to transition the ball against this press really, really hurt this team overall. I thought Wood's hold-up play was terrible. Um, I thought the outside backs had a very bizarre game. Um, Dwan Jones really struggled in this game a lot. Um, there were some flashes where they were able to break the press, uh, but then you saw a, a, div- a, a heavy touch from Bo or a heavy touch from Wood uh, that kind of deflated the chance. Uh, Bobby Wood's chance, I believe it was in the 67th minute, uh, probably the best chance of the night. It looked like he was going to have a shot on target. Uh, he's led perfectly uh, in, into the box and basically just makes an awful touch that goes out for a goal kick. Uh, so really a, a frustrating night a lot of mental mistakes a lot of physical mistakes um and i think that this might be the way to play the revs and the revs are going to have to find a way to uh, beat teams that kind of suppress you with the press because um if not they're going to see this at playoff time and it's not going to end up very well yeah i mean you're right they don't seem to have an answer to the press and it's not just this game we've seen it other times this season there's a lot of excuses for this game and you, you pointed them out uh, you know mark anthony k playing his first game um that is is a tough ask when you're going into the situation where you're playing on the road with a team that's really good at pressing ian harks hasn't played much with the revs noel buck just coming back from injury so you, you have three of your midfielders that have never played a game together and when you talked earlier on about this you know in some ways looking like a preseason game in, in some ways with how many guys were playing together for the first time it, you know, there, there, there was some preseason aspects to it um, and this was a, again when you're going up against a team that's playing the way the Red Bulls play that's pressing constantly it, it's very difficult time to have guys kind of get integrated and to build that chemistry and there clearly wasn't the chemistry between the, the that midfield um, at this point and to be expected again you know some of these guys just joined this week so it's it's you know, there's plenty of excuses, but it is worrying that this is kind of part of a larger trend that the refs have struggled with the press. And, you know, I, I, I don't want to give too much weight to it either, though, because we we see that the Revolution are going to have, you know, some different roster changes coming up with, with Thomas Chankley coming in. They'll be able to play differently. They could play, you know, a 4-5-1 and actually have two real wingers to put out there if they wanted to. And, you know, that would give them more options on how to go up against a team like this. So it's it's hard for me to take too much away from this game um, as terrible as it was because of the fact that so many guys were kind of playing together for the first time and the fact that the revolution don't have their full squad available. And we don't really know what this revolution team is going to look like when, when everyone actually joins the team and is available to play. Yeah, I I agree with you there. And I also think too, and and I'm sure we'll talk about this guy a little bit when we get to listener questions, because we must have some, I know this is going to be a a little pull, a a look behind the curtain here. Um, We're going to be answering questions as they come in. We're recording right at at full time, but um, I'm sure we're getting some Bobby Wood questions today. Uh, Bobby Wood stayed on 20 minutes longer than he needed to. Uh, I thought he had really nothing to this game. And I thought Brioni would have been a lot better at kind of some direct holdup play, uh, kind of running past the defense. And he had, I I know everyone's going to trash him for his penalty kick, uh, but uh, he had a a really nice move in, in stoppage time that almost stole the game for the Rebs. Um, he seemed to be a little bit more comfortable in that role. And truth be told, I would have been, I think I texted you this, Sean, I would have been happy if they put on Ima Botang at halftime, 
pulled off Bobby Wood, he was already on a, a yellow card, and just have Bo as the lone striker and just add another body to that midfield because um, it just seemed like the two-striker formation, uh, the Revs were having a, a really, really tough time getting the ball out of their own half and, and, and transitioning. So, um, yeah, just really frustrating night, and I think there's a little bit of blame that goes towards Bruce Arena for uh, not being reactive enough when things were not going their way. Yeah, it was quite clear that at halftime he needed to make adjustments. <laughs> the first half was rather pathetic showing. They had one shot. It was Gustavo Bo's block shot in the 18th minute in the entire first half. And I expected to see changes at halftime. It didn't seem like they adjusted too much going into the second half because it wasn't it wasn't much better to start the second half. And I, I'm completely with you that I would have liked to have seen Boateng come on sooner. I would have liked to have seen Rioni come on sooner. You know, things needed to change in this game. And and I do think that Rioni, yes, the penalty kick was horrible, and I'm sure, like you said, we'll probably get questions on that and, and comments on that. But I do think he provided a bit of a spark when he came onto this game and combined well with Carlos Heel and looked like he had more to offer in this particular game than Bobby Wood did. So I, I, I do think Bruce Arena definitely deserves some blame for being a little bit too slow to react in this game because it was it was quite clear at halftime that, that more changes need to happen. Um, yeah, so I, I, I'm, I'm with you there. I wonder if that means we're going to be getting a Bruce out question later today. Uh, certainly, certainly not his best game. John, <laughs> no. w- w- enough about me. What's your key takeaway? I mean, my key takeaway was actually going to be the same as yours. So, so you, you, left, you left me left me hanging there on the press. But um, no, I, I, I don't have much else to take away other than A, the Revs are struggling with the press and, and B, that they still need to build a lot of chemistry in midfield so that when they face a situation like this, guys know where they need to be and guys know where the outlet passes are because clearly in this game, they didn't know where the outlet passes were when they were under a lot of pressure. And that was that was the problem. Uh, but I think we should talk about Kay quickly because it was his his debut and um, playing the six and, you know, None of us knew Matt Polster was going to be out for this game, but he wasn't in the squad, so Kay was thrown right into it. What what did you think of his performance? Yeah, and, and just quick touch up on Polster. I just saw that Seth McComer of the Blazing Musket asked Bruce Arena for an update on Matt Polster, and Bruce Arena said he didn't have one. Make of that what you will. I think it's very bizarre that Matt Polster was not at least available for this game. I think some people thought that maybe Matt Polster just needed a rest, but he's had a full week off. Um you know, you had Ben Sweat and Ryan Spaulding available for this game. So you have two left backs available, but you don't have your backup or I guess for this particular game, a backup defensive midfielder. Uh, no McCoon either, uh, which I think is really interesting. Um, I feel like I'm getting mutual termination vibes uh, from Christian McCoon because it seems like he's been unavailable and he's not listed on the injury report either. Um, so uh, some weird things kind of happening there in the Matt Polster situation. Um, again, maybe it's a knock and maybe it's nothing, but I find it kind of weird that there's no update uh, or no release. Usually we hear a Jeff Lemieux tweet that says Matt Polster suffered a knock at practice. Um, nothing this week. So I, I think that kind of raises my eyebrows a little bit. But I digress. You asked about uh, Mark Anthony K. I thought he had an okay game, not a good game, not a great game, not a poor game, not a bad game. Um, I thought he played okay. There were some times he had kind of a, some bad passes, um, even just side to side. That were simple passes. He just seemed a little bit off. Maybe that's rustiness. Maybe he hasn't played in a little bit. New teammates. Um, but he had some heavy touches. Um, so he, he had some really bad moments that stood out. Uh, but he also had a really nice slide tackle uh, in the second half, I believe, around the 55th minute, uh, where he uh, stopped a very fast counterattack. That could have been dangerous. Uh, he, he did have some nice passes. Uh, he was 31 for 39, which is 79%. So that's not terrible. Statistically, he did have one chance created. Uh, he was five for eight on long balls, three for three on tackles, one, nine recoveries, uh, four for nine on ground duels. So um, not a terrible night overall. 
uh, but seemed a little out of sync with the players around him, which is understandable. Uh, and filling in at the six uh, in the diamond uh, for a new team, I, I think it's a bit of a test. And you mentioned it a little bit at the beginning that going up against the Red Bulls to start with teammates you might not be familiar with, uh, that certainly is a test. So um, not a horrible performance, I think, from him. Uh, but I certainly hope we see better from him, uh, considering, I think, the expectations uh, from that trade with Toronto. Yeah, I agree with everything you said. He did seem a bit out of sync with his teammates, but I, it's kind of to be expected when you've only been here for a week and it's your first game and you're playing a team that's pressing you really hard. And, you know, even, even training-wise, I imagine he hasn't had much of an opportunity to, to train with, you know, Noel Buck with him just coming back from injury. And so it's, it's going to be it's going to be a transition for him to adjust. And I'm sure some of the expectations, too, is that he was coming in here to, to play with Matt Polster, not instead of Matt Polster. So there, there's a lot of excuses for him today, and I think they're, they're, they're fair excuses. But there were some positives, like you said, and you know, some some negatives. I think duels-wise, he was 0 for 5 in aerial duels. He was 4 of 9 on ground duels. Um, but, you know, I, again, I, I don't take too much stock in, in this performance, given, given the tough situation he was put in. Um, with that, I do think we have a lot of listener questions, so it's probably a good time to jump into that. Before we do, I want to take a quick minute to talk about the sponsor of this podcast, Glocko Kits. Glocko Kits is the go-to place to bring unique vintage jerseys to your home. The passion for the beautiful game doesn't have borders, and neither does the selection. And if you head to GlockoKits.com today, you can get 15% off your order using code REVSRECAP. That's REVSRECAP at checkout for 15% off your order. Greg, are you ready for these questions, which will probably be not in a great order and redundant because we didn't have time to prepare? <laughs> yes, yes. And, and it's worth noting, if you didn't get any question by, uh, it's 1013 right now, uh, we may not have gotten to it. I, I'm sure we'll go on for a little bit longer, but uh, the, 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 these episodes are pretty chaos, so uh, we'll, we'll do the best we can. Mike Kennedy says, after tonight's performance, do you see Kay sharing minutes with Polster down the stretch or more as cover for him at the six? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know what's up with Polster, so it's a little hard to say. But assuming this might just be a knock and, and he's still in the team's plans, um, I, I could certainly see him playing with Polster, maybe as it, it, kind of two central midfielders, and maybe the team reverts back to a 4-2-3-1. I certainly have some kind of issues with the the diamond, especially in games like tonight. So I, I think, I mean, to me, you're going to have some changes in formations back and forth, but um, I, I don't know. It, it, I'm really curious to see what happens with this pollster situation. Um, in terms of Kay, I mean, they didn't bring him in to be a back, in my opinion. So uh, I, I think Kay and pollster will kind of share some minutes at the six in the diamond. Uh, maybe you see Kay move up to an eight in the diamond. I, I'm not so sure about that with Harks and Buck uh, both there. Um, and then I assume Jonkalai would would take one of the sides of the diamond as well. So I, I think Kay is going to be replacing Polster at the six if they go with the diamond. But I could certainly see a situation where they go to a 4-2-3-1 uh, and they have Kay and Polster uh, both working in there a little bit. Yeah, I think it's going to be a lot of both. I think I think there's going to be opportunities for him to play next to Polster and there's going to be opportunities for him to play as the six. I, I don't know that he's necessarily going to replace Polster as a starting six. Salary-wise, it certainly looks like he should. Uh, but... You know, kind of factoring in how the trade went down with Blessing going for K. I mean, Blessing was making a lot of money, and he was a guy that I think when everyone was healthy probably wasn't going to be a starter for the Revs. So when you kind of chalk it up to, you know, trading a over maybe an overpaid player for what he was contributing to a potentially an overpaid player for what he's going to contribute, I, I wouldn't be shocked if we do see a lot of K on the bench. And kind of being cover for Polster, again, assuming Polster is here to stay and is, is you know, going to be healthy. Um, so I, I, I could see a, a lot of that. I mean, Kay wasn't performing 
all that well with Toronto, which is, again, why they made the trade. So he needs to get back to that form that he had with LAFC, where he was a really top player and and you know perform a lot better than he would performing with Toronto if he is actually going to be a starter for the Revolution long term. Again, I, I think today's performance was promising from him, uh, I don't, so I don't want to be negative about it. But I wouldn't be shocked if you know Matt Polster is a starter and K is either you know coming off the bench or being a rotational player or you know playing only in certain situations where the Revs are playing a more defensive formation um, than maybe they're playing you know in, in normal situations. So I, I could see it going either way. Uh, Eric Big Nation on Twitter says Jones seems to have had a rough game with a handful of poor passes and loose touches. Uh, he questions whether it's post Gold Cup rust. He also got flattened, pushed, and wiped out a couple of times. Is this a case where a player in bad form doesn't get the calls? And we actually got another question from Paulo S. Similar, where he says, "Should Dewan Jones get more pissed off at officials when calls don't go his way? I think he needs to start getting in some refs' faces and showing more attitude. The abuse he took today was ridiculous." Um, so any, any thoughts on that is, is what happened with Dewan Jones today, a case where a bad player in bad form isn't getting the calls and should he be yelling at refs more? Well, I, I, I can't advocate for him to, uh, yell at refs more. Cause I think you could go full, uh, Carlos heel and, uh, kind of almost be a bit of a distraction with some of the ways, uh, Carlos goes at referees a lot. Uh, and I, I also don't think he is going to get the superstar treatment. I think there's a big difference between Carlos heel, uh, who won an MVP and a left back. Um, in terms of, you know, his rough game, maybe it is post gold cup rust. Um, but I, I don't, I don't really think that's much of an excuse. I mean, it's not like he hasn't been playing soccer. It's not like he hasn't been in form. Um, I, I think this was just a game where he had a lot of duties to get up and down the field, uh, being the press, um, and it, it just seemed like, I don't know, he just had a bad game. I'm, I'm looking at FootMob, and FootMob seems to have him rated a 7.5, which is one of the better team, better players on the, the Revs, which I disagree with. Uh, this is kind of one of those times the stats don't really line up. 70% on passes, 77 touches. He was one for four on dribbles, dribbles, uh, which I think is uh, kind of w- what I remember. Uh, three passes into the final third, 0 for 2 on crosses, 1 for 4 on long ball, balls, 1 for 3 on tackles one, um, five for 10 on ground duels, three for four on aerial duels. Um, yeah, he just seemed to be very limited in the attack. And I, I don't know, I, I think maybe we can just chalk it up to rust and maybe we could just chalk it up to him having a bad game. Uh, but he seemed completely kind of out of it. And um, I also think too, I mean, he's 26 years old. Maybe it's just me. He doesn't seem as fast as he once was. Uh, it used to be a ball going down the left. Uh, if it was a foot race, Dewan Jones was winning it. Uh, there were a couple a couple of times he just could not beat uh, his man around the corner there. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know. Just a poor game. I'm just going to chalk it up to maybe Dewan just didn't have his best performance tonight. Yeah, I mean, it's been a week and a half since, since you know, the U.S. was knocked out of the Gold Cup. But he, the last two games he played for the U.S., they did go into overtime. So it, I, I don't think it's un reasonable to suggest that perhaps you know he he was a bit still tired from that and there was you know, I, don't, I don't know if it was called rust but you know that maybe his legs hadn't fully recovered from a, a very very difficult stretch with the u.s so I, I would give him an excuse for this game i don't think it was a very good performance you know at the same time we're talking about you know the midfield and how they didn't contribute enough offensively and i think that put more pressure on the fullbacks in this game and brandon by had some some very good moments in this game and dewan jones didn't have those same moments but you know Again, when you're talking about new adjustments, you know him, him playing with Ian Harks for the first time. Um, he's had a lot of minutes this year with Ima Boateng, which I think changes his role significantly when Boateng's out there with his pace and what he can offer. So it was an adjustment for him too in this game with how the Revolution were playing and who he was playing with. So I, I, 
you know, I, I'm not worried by this performance. I, I think it was probably some of it was fatigue still carrying over even a week and a half later from the Gold Cup. And some of it was adjusting to his new teammates. And again, the difficult situation. Um, but I, I thought by the end of this game, he looked pretty gassed. Um, there was that play at the end of the game, I think, where, where Carlos Hill played him a through ball. And I, I, I guess the through ball was too far, but I, it seemed like something that, you know, at his at his peak, he'd get to. Um, so... I don't, I don't know. I, mean, I guess he did get to it and hold it in, but it just it didn't seem like his best game, and it did seem like he was gassed by the end of it. So I'm gonna I'm gonna give him a pass and, and write it off to being still fatigued from the Gold Cup. Well, I was just gonna say there's one more play too. I mean, it is just reasonable to say sometimes players are off. And one note I have down here is the 11th minute. The Revs are kind of working the ball side to side. They move the ball to to Jones, and it looks like he's passing the ball up the the wing to Heel, and his pass just goes. I mean, almost diagonally out of bounds, kind of behind Carlos Hill. I mean, it was just a terrible, terrible pass. So it seems like from the beginning of the game, too, he had some mental mistakes and mental frustrations. And 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 I, I will give him, I don't want to say credit, uh, but uh, his penalty kick was not terrible. It just got a little bit unlucky that it glances off the inside of the post and, and rolled along the, the goal line. Almost redeemed himself uh, with a very nice penalty kick. Uh, but, uh, yeah, just, just seemed to be one of those days that um, Dewan was just a little bit off in all aspects of his game. Yeah, and, and Cody Hall also asked about Dewan. He said Dewan had a bad game, in his opinion, bad passes, crosses, misconnections. Do stats back him up on this? You, you gave some of the stats. His passing accuracy only seventy percent. Uh, then he said, then he capped capped it off with that PK. Did this game hurt his standing? First of all, I'll say I, I think he was a little bit unlucky on that penalty kick. It was, you know, he could fractionally if he hit it any further to the left, it would have gone in. He caught the goalkeeper guessing the wrong way. I, I, I. I I don't know. It was, it was compared to Vrioni's penalty kick. I think Dwan Jones just got unlucky <laughs> on that. But do you think this game hurt his standing in any way? No, I, I think that he's firmly supplanted as the starter. Every player has bad games, and I think this was just one for him. I, I don't think Ryan Spaulding or Ben Sweat is going to be taking over his job. So um, maybe it hurts his standing in regards to uh, Europe uh, if he still has European ambitions. Um, but uh, in terms of his job as the starting left back for the revolution uh i don't think it's going to have any impact on that it, it was interesting that bruce was going to sub ryan spaulding on for him um at one point late in the half and then decided not to make the sub that he that i saw the number actually go up on the board uh, and then and then he pulled the subs back so that was that was interesting that he decided that you know they started playing better and and to keep him on um but no i i don't think it hurts his standing in any way he's clearly the revs left back the starting left back by by a large margin um and again you know everyone can have a bad game here or there and I, I i do think it's reasonable to say perhaps he was still even a week and a half later a bit fatigued from a lot of use in that gold cup and perhaps overuse in that gold cup um cody, cody hall also says do you think bruce ever plays Vrioni again after that pk <laughs> Uh, I mean, I hope he gets some minutes. I think Brioni deserves a little bit of a run. He is a designated player. They spent a lot of money on him, so um, I don't think they're going to discard him after this game. It certainly was a terrible penalty kick. Um, I was certainly higher on Brioni before it than I, I, you know, after. But um, yeah, maybe he just thought a little too hard about it. You certainly expect better from a striker. But again, do I think this will impact his minutes going forward? No. And truth be told, I, I wouldn't. I would be for starting Brioni in the Wednesday game, um, considering how poor Bobby Wood was. I thought Brioni was better in his 30 minutes than Bobby Wood was, or in his 20 minutes uh, than Bobby Wood in his 70 or 75. Yeah, I I completely agree with you. Um, I, I, he he should get more minutes. I think the penalty was was terrible. Um, I couldn't couldn't have done much worse with it. 
but I, I do think he showed some promise in this game and had some chances for the revolution and contributed more than I think Bobby Wood did in this one. So it would be a shame if that was a reason he didn't play him. Um, at the same time, I hope that penalty kick doesn't hurt Rioni's confidence because, you know, you know, a striker with confidence is very important. And you hope when, you know, do you take a terrible penalty kick like that, that Rioni's confidence isn't hurt by that. It, it reminds me of when Adam Buxa took the penalty kick. I think it was one of his only penalty kicks with the Revs. It was late in 2020, and it seemed like he was taking it because he needed the goal, and he skied it over the bar, uh, and and it just seemed to be a complete low point for him. So hopefully this isn't a similar case with Frioni, and hopefully he bounces back soon. And Andy from Revs Nation says, can the Revs win a penalty shootout as currently constructed? So few truly confident penalty takers. Yeah, um, I think they certainly can. I think a lot depends on Georgi Petrovic, to be completely honest with you. We made a beautiful save uh, on the first penalty kick, and certainly confidence was at an all-time high, uh, and then 0-4 in the next ones. Uh, but, you know, Carlos Heel is almost automatic. I, I think Gustavo Bo is maybe not automatic, but I trust him. I trust Dewan Jones. As I say, he's taken some pretty well-kicked, uh, well-taken penalty kicks before. Uh, I think, again, just unlucky. You know, if that, that ball is one inch a little more to the left, uh, that's a perfectly taken penalty kick from Dewan Jones. So um, they got three pretty strong penalty takers there. I believe Justin Rennicks was supposed to come on at the last minute. So I, I don't know if Bruce wanted Justin Rennicks to take a penalty kick, um, which I, I thought was interesting. I saw someone on Twitter say that Rennicks was coming in. Um, so I don't know. I certainly don't have a lot of faith in Vrioni after that one. Um, and I'm curious to see who would have stepped up to take uh, kick number five. Um, but um, th- they have enough decent penalty kick takers there that they should be able to win one if Petrovic can get two or three saves. Yeah, Renix was actually coming in the same time Spalding was coming in, and then Bruce pulled both subs back. So I, 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 that'd be another one I'd be interested to hear what Bruce's what Bruce's reasoning was there and what he was thinking and why he decided to change it. There, there's there's an alternative timeline here where Ryan Spalding is kicking the fifth, fifth penalty kick and uh, kicks a walk-off. Just want to let that be known. <laughs> Uh, on on the note of how important Petrovic, Petrovic is, Cody Hall says when Petrovic gets sold this summer, how screwed are the Revs? Uh, pretty screwed. Pretty screwed. I, I don't think I need to elaborate on that one. Um, very pr- pretty screwed. It, 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 you know, we talked about the penalty kick save. Uh, the save he had from point blank. I don't have the minute down, but in the first half, I mean, the Rebels had a, a perfect chance right from point blank. A beautiful save. It seemed like he made that with ease. Um, we are very lucky in the goalkeeping department. So we'd be very screwed uh, if Petrovic goes in the summer. And to the point where I, I don't think I take the Revs as serious MLS Cup contenders anymore. And we, we talked about Mark Anthony Kay. Um, Randy says, thoughts on him. He said he didn't impress him. I assume slash hope will be behind Polster and Buck on the depth chart. I don't know if you have any more thoughts. We already talked a decent amount about him. Um, I'm I'm kind of in the mind that he will probably be behind Polster and Buck on the depth chart, but you seem to think that you know, given what they've given up for him and his salary, that he, he might be a starter. Yeah, I, I would guess so. I, I mean, I don't think he's going to be an automatic starter all the way through, but you know, he, he certainly, I think, has a... Uh, um, I, I don't think he's there for depth. Um, I don't think he's going to be the surefire backup. Uh, so maybe he's just a rotation piece. I'm curious to see what the lineup looks like on Wednesday and if Polster is back, um, or if they move away from this diamond. But, um, I, I imagine we're going to get a second game from Mark Anthony K. And I think I'll have a more of a firm footing on, on where I stand with him then. Cause I think today, he, as I say, he could have been a lot better and he could have been a lot worse. Um, yeah, that's kind of where I, I stand on it. And on the, the note of the diamond, uh, G Revs TV says, why do we keep running a midfield diamond that is not proved effective as the dual eights carry the same role, ball retention and very limited ball progression, talking about bucks and harks. 
Um, this also limits the usefulness of Dewan and buys offensive abilities and link up play down the flanks. Yeah, good question. I mean, I personally am not a huge fan of the diamond. It's worked at times, but it clearly wasn't working tonight. Um, and, and personally, I, I don't mind if a team you know moves back and forth between the diamond and the four two three one. If you ask Bruce Arena about it, he's going to say it's just a starting spot, and everyone moves around and da 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 da. But I think specifically for this game, I mean, I, I think they needed another body in the midfield, and Buck and Harks were very, very limited in what they could do. I thought Bucks was pretty inv- in- invisible today. Um, and again, coming back from injury, yada, 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 he's young. You know, we can we can kind of make all the excuses in the world, but he seemed uh, pretty limited. I thought Harks actually had some some really nice moves uh, and was able to move the ball in transition pretty well uh, when when he was forced to. Uh, he had a really nice long ball down the, the left wing for Gustavo Bow in the first half. Um I thought he played fine. Uh, so I, I, I don't know about, you know, the eights weren't too effective tonight. Uh, but, I mean, Noel Buck wasn't, but I think Harks was. Um, but I, I think this game was calling for another midfielder, and they, they needed to change up their shape a little bit for sure. Yeah, I, I think the, the diamond didn't have enough dynamicism in this one. And I think, again, it goes back in some in some sense to the lack of chemistry because they don't know where each other is going to be on the field. They haven't played together enough with, with the players that were out there. So I think that's part of it. I'm, in general, not a huge fan of the diamond formation. I think this is, again, something that the Revs are kind of forced into doing because they want to play two strikers. They want to get Gustavo Bo out there. And, and again, Gustavo Bo you know, as good of a player as he is, he kind of forces you to play a certain way to get the most out of him. And that requires two strikers. So right now, given the personnel the Revs have, that means being in a diamond if you're going to have Bo and, and Carlos Hill out there and play two strikers. So um, I think next year, I don't think we're going to see the diamond. I think this roster is shaping up in a way where if you have Dylan Barrera, you have Chankley, if he comes back next year and Gustavo Bo is gone because his contract is up, I think we've seen the end of the diamond. But I think for the rest of this year, just to fit all the personnel in, we're going to keep seeing this diamond um, just because that's how Bruce fits everyone on. You know, does does that change when, when Chankley comes in? You know, next week, and he gets up to form, and the Revs now all have two wingers on the roster in Boateng and Chankley. Um, maybe, but yeah, I'm I'm not a huge fan of the diamond. I think it's just a a product of this is how we can get our best players in the field at the same time, and and into roles that suit those players, even if it doesn't necessarily end up being our you know best best starting lineup formationally. So. Uh, so yeah, it's a good question at the end of the day. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say good, good question. I, I, I think too we didn't touch on it, but I think he's absolutely right. It very lim- much limited to Juan Jones and, and Brandon Bay tonight. I think Brandon Bay had some good moments and some good flashes. I don't know if we'll talk about him later, but um, he he had some nice plays down the right side. I knew Dewan had a tough time, but uh, it just seemed like they were very limited. Uh, and and there were times when they needed an outlet pass on the left or the right. Uh, but in that particular moment, there wasn't anyone. And I think when Ima Botang came in, um, you had a little bit more of a presence on the wing, especially on the left side. So uh, I, I agree with that comment all the way around. Yeah, absolutely. Um, several several other comments coming in. Mike D says, Arena leaves so many subs unused in like a few games earlier this season. It was clear to anyone with two eyes that the Revs were doing what the Revs were doing wor- wasn't working. Does Arena not believe he has quality on the bench to change the game? How long till every team plays a press versus the Revs? A plus comment. I I agree with you 100%, Mike D. And I think that you know Bruce Arena has made some moves here. We've brought in Ian Harks. We've brought in Mark Anthony K. I certainly hope that Bruce Arena feels like we have some better quality on the bench to change up the game. And maybe he was going to change up the game with Ryan Spaulding and Justin Rennicks. I I don't know 
I don't know what the expectation expectations were there, um, but I, I I certainly hope that Bruce Arena at this point knows what to do in terms of substitutions. Um, I, I think the Vrioni sub was a little bit late. I think the Ema sub could have come on a little bit sooner, but I wasn't too uh, upset with that. I think Millbuck coming out around the 66th minute was fine. Um, but yeah, maybe we are lacking that one more piece uh, that they can go out and get, and hopefully they, they figure that out before the trade line. In terms of how long until every team plays a press against us, it goes back to my key takeaway. I agree 100%. I think that's the way to beat the Revs, and they're going to have to figure this one out. Yeah, yeah. I think, you know, you look at the Revs' depth in this game, and when you saw what was happening in the first half, I tried to figure out who would be the game changers offensively that you could bring off the bench that could poten- that could potentially change the game offensively. And I think there were just two, Ima Boateng and Giacomo Rioni, and those were the two guys that came on. So I, I don't know that Bruce trusts the bench offensively beyond that. Um, I don't know that I would trust the bench offensively beyond that. There were certainly some guys on the bench that you know are, are offensive players, but you know has has Esmir done enough where you would trust him to come into this game and change the game? I, I don't think so. Um, has Jack P done enough where you trust him to come into this game and change the game offensively? No. Uh, you know, has do you trust Justin Renex to come in and change the game offensively? And and Justin Renex was set to come on late in this game, as was Ryan Spaulding, as, as I mentioned. And, he, and Bruce decided to change when decided not to make those changes when it seemed like things were starting to go a little bit better for the Revs. But you know, I, I don't know that there's necessarily that many game changers on the bench. I do think that that you know changes a bit when Thomas Shankly comes in. That that certainly is one guy that was missing for this game that would have been an option to change how the Revs played if he was available on the bench. Uh, but you know, it's been an issue kind of all season where a lot of the games this year, you looked at the bench when, you know, Ima Boateng wasn't starting and that was the one guy you could bring off the bench that you could thought could change the game. Uh, and you're still kind of in that situation. Plus, you know, plus your, your third striker, whether that's Giacomo Vrioni or, or Bobby Wood. So yeah, I, I do, I do think you're a, a little bit limited, you know, on the bench on, on which guys you can bring in and change the game where it's not working out, especially, especially offensively. It's also worth noting Polster might have come in late in the game, too, for Mark Anthony K uh, if he was available, too. So uh, Jean Calais and um, Polster, I think, are two guys we might have seen in this game. But, yeah, a little concerning that Bruce is using two subs. Uh, doesn't strike a lot of uh, confidence going forward in League's Cup. Dan Katz asks, what are the Rose paying Vioni for? <laughs> Not his penalty kick uh, ability. Uh, I'll give him that. Um yeah, I mean, I've talked about this all year. I don't totally know what Brioni's strengths are, but I, I still think we need to get a, a run of minutes before I can fully judge this guy as a bust. Um, I, I mean, I think his hold-up play was decent. Uh, I think he's pretty decent at running at defenders. Um, yeah, I, 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 I don't have a, a ton of massive positive superlatives, but I also don't think that I've made a, a lot of... Um, I've seen a, a str- string of starts from him uh, that I can really sit here and, and call him a bust. So, um, yeah, right now, I, I still think he's about an average to above average MLS forward. Uh, and, you know, he scored a few times. He scored a nice goal, but I, I just like to see him more because, um, you know, I, I don't think he has a ton of weaknesses, but I don't think he has a ton of strengths. Yeah. I I mean, I I think it's too soon to write him off, and, but we've seen enough. You know, there were still some positives in this game, despite the terrible penalty kick. Uh, so, yeah, he, he hasn't lived up to his DP price tag whatsoever. And if you're saying, what are you paying him DP price tag for? I don't know. But, uh, again, I think that he's here for the rest of the season, and the Revs need to figure out, and perhaps beyond that, and the Revs need to figure out what he can offer. And I, it's too soon to, to kind of give up on him. But uh, I completely get the frustration after after the season so far. Uh, Eddie on Twitter has several comments. He says he hated the penalty order. Three and four are the highest value slots. Two is the lowest pressure. He said put your less good shooting striker at two, bow at three, 
Harks or K at four and fifth interchangeably. Um, I don't know. Any thoughts on, on how the, the penalty shootout order should have changed? Uh, not, not particularly. I mean, Red Bulls converted four out of five. So either way you look at it, um, you know, I, I think Dewan Jones had some bad luck on his shot. I think Vrioni's was terrible. I think regardless of, of where you put them in that order, if Rioni is taking that shot, it's a save. So um, they, they just didn't make enough stops. Uh, Petrovic didn't make enough stops. And um, I, I think Dewan had a little bit of bad luck and Vrioni just had some poor quality. And where wherever they are, I, I think that's tough. But I, I also will say I've seen sometimes where you put your best PK taker fourth or fifth or whatever. And at that point, you know, it's I don't want to say it's already lost, but uh, I think penalty kicks there is a bit of a momentum swing to it. So I don't mind having Carlos Hill come up and put the revs up one nothing. No, I agree. I I am kind of on the the same side where I, I like to see the best penalty kick takers go first and second to build that momentum, so you don't guilt yourself into an early hole because you know two might be a lower pressure spot, but three all of a sudden, you know, it, it, if if one is missed, then two becomes a higher pressure spot, and it all depends on what situation you're in at that time. And I think your, your best bet is to have your best penalty kick takers go get yourself, you know, off to two, to two goals at the beginning. And there's less pressure than at that point than there would be if you'd missed one. And, you know, I, I think Dewan Jones's penalty was unlucky. I think Giacomo Vrioni's was poor. The rest were fine. Um, so I, I, it's hard for me to question too much how things went down. And, and even Vrioni had taken a penalty and scored a penalty for the Revs before. His you know, first goal for the Revs in, in 2022 was a penalty kick. So it's not like he hadn't taken one. Uh, so I, and you know, in hindsight, maybe you switch things up, but I, I, I didn't, I didn't have a problem with the order at the time. And I'm of the opinion that you have your best penalty kick takers go, go first and second. Yeah, maybe maybe Vrioni, you move him second because maybe he's got higher nerves um, since he's been not a surefire starter all year. But agreed, I, I don't think this lost him the game. Yeah. Uh, Eddie also says, Bobby cannot be played versus these high-possession, high-press teams. He is where counters go to die. Great versus teams that sit back. But he thought once that he thought once the Revs got the speed of Vrioni and Bo on the field, Oh, sorry, Vrioni and Boateng on the field. The shape and movement was much better. Pulsar was so missed, and oh my god, the K back passes were insufferable. Um, do you do you agree? I guess on the first point that Bobby Wood shouldn't be played against teams that are playing this high press. Yeah, everything there sounded good to me, Eddie. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think I think in theory, when you're playing a high press team and you're going to try to bypass the midfield, what the Revs did try at times, you know, it's good to have a striker that you know has decent hold up play, which Wood has at times, but we didn't see that in this game. So I, I think in theory, it makes sense to play. You know, maybe your best hold-up striker against a team that presses a lot, so you can kind of have that outlet. But it, the way it's played out, I, I agree with everything Eddie said. <laughs> um, he also said Revs were lucky they didn't give up two to three early, and the Red Bulls are just a horrible team who absolutely has the Revs number. Uh, I. I agree with all that i don't know if you, i don't know if you disagree with any of that but the revs are very lucky that they weren't down two to three uh at halftime yeah maybe, maybe two to three is an exaggeration but they certainly should have scored um well actually you know what venzier had a, a, really a, a, a yeah yeah you know what i'm, I'm remembering that the venzier shooting it right at petro that was a pretty terrible uh pretty terrible play uh from him um yeah i i think the revs really didn't deserve to win this game you can say they got lucky with a point uh but uh yeah th- this game should have been completely different and the red bulls just really lacked that quality in finishing today uh, derek terrell says was the no penalty call on the handball correct or will pro re- pro referee come out 
and say they made another wrong decision on a refs versus Red Bull game. Uh, we didn't talk about this yet, but Greg, could you talk about the handball call and your thoughts on it? Or yeah, the, the handball non-call. Second, yeah, this was probably my second uh, key takeaway here. I don't know if they're going to come out and say they made another wrong decision, but um, and I'm no refereeing expert. I do not understand how this is not a handball. I assume the phrase clear and obvious is doing a lot of heavy lifting on this one. Um, but I, and, and in the moment, they didn't show the replay very many times in the moment. Uh, but from every angle I saw, I thought this was a pretty clear handball. It looks like um, Edelman's arm is away from his body. The, the ball is basically stopped uh, by his hand. Um, I, I don't understand why this isn't a penalty. I don't understand why that's not a handball. And as someone that had a uh, same game parlay of Carlos Hill anytime goal scorer plus uh, doing one revolution win, uh, I'm I feel very cheated right now. So um, yeah, very very difficult one to swallow. And it looked like the Revs might be able to steal it with that uh, PK at the end and get a little bit lucky. Um, but I'm sure someone who knows refereeing a lot better than I do uh, can explain to me why that wasn't a handball because I am very confused about it. I thought it was a handball, and I just don't understand why they didn't send the referee over to take a look at it. That I mean, you could say maybe it wasn't clear and obvious from the replays that we saw very, very quickly, but I, I think it should have been something that was taken a much longer look at by the referee, and he should have gone over and made that decision. So I, I don't get it. I, my guess is that they aren't going to come out and say they made a wrong decision on this one, but because you know, it's, like, I don't know. It, to me, it looked like a handball. I don't, I don't, I don't understand why the referee didn't go over and take a look at it. That, that, that to me is just the bizarre part. Even if it was, to, even if he was to go over and take a look and say it wasn't a penalty, why didn't he go take a look? Out of curiosity, do you feel either of the other VAR non-reviews uh, should have been reviewed? Uh, because I, I know there were two potential red ball, red, red card calls uh, that did not go to review, but they were checked. Do you feel either one of those was a red card? I think the first one would have been very harsh. I think anytime you see a guy kind of step on somebody's ankle in that situation, there's always a risk that that could be the outcome uh, of the red card. I, I think that would have been a very harsh one to give in that situation. Um, so I, I, I don't necessarily think that one should have been looked at. The second one, I only saw very, very quickly on the broadcast. It was an, you know, I think it was an arm to Dewan Jones's throat or something. And I would have to see several more replays of that to decide whether that warranted anything further. Um, but from from what I saw, I would have liked to have seen better replays of that if they were available to to make a call on that one. Yeah, agreed. But I mean, from from the two seconds of seeing it really quickly, I would. It's hard to say one way or the other. Yeah, I, I agree, and I'm not crying over uh, neither of those being called red cards. So. Yeah. Uh, Steve McGrogan said there is too much, and I don't want to talk about any of it. Uh, he appreciated the armbands and moment of silence, though, which was for Olivia Knight, and I thought I thought that was a, a nice touch and great that they did that. Um, and then he said, Renex and Spalding on to win the game, question mark. So I, I guess he's questioning maybe why Bruce was thinking about making that sub or I don't or maybe why that sub didn't happen. I'm not sure, but I don't know. I don't know if you have any comment there. No, not, not really. Unless, I mean, maybe we, we've speculated Dewan Jones might've been gassed. Maybe that was the reason for Spalding Renix. I think maybe if they got a late goal, um, maybe he comes on for Gustavo Bo and kind of plays a little more defensively since they don't need a goal and they're preserving a lead. Maybe, maybe that's the logic. So maybe Renix was getting ready and they thought a penalty kick was coming and, and he was going to put them up one nothing, and then Renix would come on for Bo. Maybe that's what would happen there, um, unless Renix is a phenomenal penalty kick taker. I'm not sure what the logic on either of those subs were, though. Yeah, I don't, I don't know either. I do think that Jones looked kind of gassed, so that 
to me, that would have made sense for for Spalding to come on for that reason. Um, but otherwise, I I don't necessarily know know the logic. I would have been curious to know who Renix was coming on for actually to to know what the what what that move actually was going to be. Um, John Pilkington said everyone just seemed off tonight except Petrovic. Uh, thoughts on K? I think we've already given enough thoughts on him. But his, John's thoughts were: I thought he did okay. Seemed like a slightly more sloppy pollster, but he had a couple of good moments. I think seems like a reasonable assessment. I don't know if we've talked a lot about K. Anything else on that one? I think that is the consensus there, yeah. I think that's it on Twitter. Did did anything come in on Discord? Uh, someone someone did say, what did you think of the potential red by Red Bull on Dewan? We just talked about that. Let me pull up Discord. This is all in the moment. This is actually very difficult to do this all in the moment. Normally, we <laughs> have is. a few minutes. You're asking me, and I'm, I'm coming up with this on the spot. Uh, Mike Collins says, concerned we weren't attacking much. I would agree with that. I think we talked about that and the, the inability to move the ball against the press. Um, any any other concerns you want to vouch here for, uh, Sean? Yeah, I mean, it, it is very concerning that they weren't able to create more and attack more against a Rebels team that's not very good. And so, so, you know, I think we talked a lot about it. I don't know if I have much much more to add to that. But yeah, it is it is definitely concerning that they couldn't create more. And the, the fact that in the first half they had one shot and didn't test the keeper, it, you know, it's, it's pretty pathetic. Mm-hmm. Uh, Matt says, what is wrong with our Albanian striker? We touched on Vrioni a little bit. Uh, and Alex also says, why does Vrioni always do some weird footwork that makes his attacks take twice as long? I swear every game he plays, he just seems slow. Uh, so maybe Alex is answering Matt's question there. Uh, some weird footwork from Vrioni. I will say Vrioni doesn't seem very fast, um, but I, I do think his runs uh, and his IQ on where to be, what runs to make do seem a little bit better. So I will give him that. No, he doesn't seem very fast, and he does seem kind of methodical in what he does when he gets the ball. Uh, as far as you know, <laughs> some some weird dribbles at times and taking his time to to get in the right spot, but you know, a lot of the times it works out. As far as him being able to find a spot, even in kind of the slow motion that he sometimes does, I, I get where this comment's coming from. Um, but no, he he seems he doesn't seem very fast. I mean, Bobby Wood doesn't seem very fast either. Gustavo Bo is not very fast. Um, the Revs have a lot of not very fast strikers at this point. <laughs> Uh, Traeger says, I think Polster missing had a huge impact on the game. The chemistry between him and Harks have been apparent with Harks' excellent play. But with uh, Kay next to him, Harks, as well as Bucks, was a ghost. Thoughts? I agree on, on Buck. I think Harks was, uh, played pretty decently. Um, do you think if Polster is available for this game and if he's starting over Kay, that there's a different result? I don't know that there's necessarily a different result, but I do think the Revs' chances are better. I, I I agree that we've seen Matt Polster and his chemistry with Noel Buck be ex- extremely good, and we've seen Matt Polster and his chemistry with Ian Harks on you know not that much time together be pretty good too. So that chemistry was definitely missing. And again, when you're in a, a game like this one where the Red Bulls are pressing a lot and you have to make quick decisions on where to pass the ball and know where your teammates are, that does make a a huge difference. So I don't want to go out and say that the Revs would have won this game if he was playing, but I do think their chances would have been better. It would have been interesting to see. I think he does play a little bit better against the press. And as we noted earlier, I think Kay, uh, just a little choppy in his first game with the Revs. So um, TSB 11 says, so red card controversy, huh? We talked about that a little bit. Uh, we talked about the missed penalty from Brioni. Uh, and he says, I guess I liked our midfield question mark. Um, I, don't, I don't even know if I'd say I'd like our midfield. I think there's there should be multiple question marks uh, on that one there. So um, I think we kind of touched on that all, unless you have anything to say there. No, I mean, I, I, don't, I didn't like the midfield. This, again, the way it played out on, on paper, it looked okay. But I think the way it played out, I didn't like the midfield. <laughs> and we don't have any questions on threads. 
Um, Threads is beginning to look like fetch where it's just not going to happen. Uh, But uh, we are on Threads. So if you are on Threads, make sure you follow us there. Uh, We will be there a few more weeks before we abandon this social media platform. Hopefully Blue Sky uh, will have a little bit more activity than uh, Threads. But um, yeah, that's it for Discord and Threads questions. Um, I I will say, Sean, one more thing. Um, I thought I wanted to give a shout out to the center back pairing. We haven't really talked about them. I thought Andrew Farrell had a pretty solid game. I know he's very choppy in the back. Uh, I thought he played pretty well, uh, especially with the press. Uh, him and Romney kind of came into play a little bit, and they seemed cool, calm, and collected in the back. Uh, and there were a few takeaways from Farrell, too. So uh, I, I did think that we should give a uh, tip of the cap uh, to Dave Romney and Andrew Farrell. Uh, not, you know, all world games, uh, but I think they were pretty solid for what was needed. I agree, and they were getting stretched a lot too because you know, Dewan Jones was getting caught out of position uh, on several occasions, and Dave Romney had to go over and kind of play left back at times when when Jones got caught forward. And the two of them did a really good job of kind of covering for each other and covering for the fullbacks. And Brandon By even had to you know, pull in in a certain certain times when Jones was up to kind of almost play center back. So I, I thought the I thought the center backs did a really good job in a, a, kind of a tough circumstance. At the same time, they get bailed out by some some poor finishing from the Red Bulls. Um, if the scoreline was you know two or three nothing like it could have been, I don't know that we're giving praise to the center backs, even even though they you know overall did pretty well. One last Twitter question that's off off topic, but Alex Dolan had a question for you. He said, "How was your All Star week? I heard you took a photo with Talon." <laughs> yes, uh, I made friends uh, down at All Star Week. I did see Talon, DC United mascot. He was very friendly uh, and uh, willing to take a photo with me. Also, we saw uh, the target mascot, the target dog. He also took a photo with me uh, at uh, D.C. United Stadium. So uh, it was a very fun week. For those of you that don't know, uh, the Blazing Musket went down uh, and did some coverage of the All-Star game, which was very cool. Uh, We went to training uh, at the National Mall. Um, I know Sam uh, was lucky enough to get credentialed for the event at the White House, uh, which I am very jealous of. Uh, And we did a handful of other things, too. There was the Creators Cup, uh, which was put put on by uh, Body Armor and uh, Eli Lesser of uh, This Week in MLS, uh, which had a lot of ex-MLS players, which was actually a, a very fun event uh, and i missed the beginning of it but uh had a few um former revolution players including darius barnes uh who won the creators cup uh with his team so uh, a lot of fun and there was also the trend of the week where whenever we saw a revs jersey uh we would go over and say hello seth was really the one that would go over and say hello he is uh clearly the, the friendliest uh, of the group uh but he would uh usually be able to get out that he works for the blazing musket uh and they would immediately recognize him and get excited uh that uh, he was seth from the blazing musket and then he would turn to me and say and this is greg from revolution recap and for the most part people would say oh okay and have no idea who i was uh but we d- i did get to meet mike and Brittany, and i wanted to give them a shout out because they were uh two of the only people that were genuinely excited uh, and knew who i was uh and so it made my week that uh knowing that i found some revolution recap listeners so uh shout out to mike and Brittany, uh, and shout out to all the other revs fans uh that uh, i got to have a beer with and, and meet along the way so uh, it was a very very fun event uh very very fun week uh, and i had so much fun i'd even consider going to a third rate city like columbus ohio to do it again so i uh, can't complain uh, at all uh, and of course we got to see uh, meet a lot of uh, beat writers from mls and uh you know talk to a, a lot of people kind of on the national media uh, side of things uh and um and sean you also know this kind of part of the reason i got into soccer uh, was because of Arsenal. Uh, I played uh, FIFA, and Arsenal was the team that I picked. And so originally, before I was a Revolution fan, I was an Arsenal fan. I'm not really one now. I haven't watched an Arsenal game in years. Uh, but it was kind of a neat full circle moment uh, to go down to D.C. and watch an Arsenal game uh, as, as part of the week. So very, very fun week overall. And um, I will always treasure my photo with Talon. <laughs> 
Well, that is it for questions. We surprisingly did not get asked any questions about Messi. I thought we'd have some, um, <laughs> but I, I don't know that I want to get into that now, though, because I think we've we've kept this podcast under an hour, and I think I'd like to keep it that way. <laughs> well, I mean, we have. To, I mean, do we have to talk about it a little bit? I mean, it, it, it was. It, we have to do the is who, whose uh, first game was better, Zlatan or Messi? I mean, Zlatan's was better. The, the, yeah. the goals he scored, but. The, he scored twice, right? And one of the goals was absolutely phenomenal. So, yeah. and that was a comeback from what they were three nothing down, and, and and came back in that one. So, I would say Zlatan's debut was better, but Messi's debut was phenomenal. <laughs> they're they're both phenomenal. It's one of those things where I don't think there's a wrong answer. But I remember, um, I think with Messi, there was almost it, it reminded me a lot of Beckham's debut. With uh, I remember Beckham, they had Kevin Garnett. Uh, who was at the game and there was all the rumors of him being traded to the Lakers at the time and he ended up going to the Celtics in the long run but uh, I remember all the celebrities came out for for David Beckham and that was kind of the similar vibe with Messi it seemed like certainly a show uh, or almost theatrics uh, whereas Latan kind of just showed up and immediately just kind of forced his, his stamp onto the game and, and had an absolutely incredible debut uh, it just seemed like the world kind of stopped and if I remember correctly it was against LAFC um, am I, am I remembering? No, you're right. It was, it was the Clasco. It was the, the yeah. So I mean, El Trafico. Sorry. <laughs> yes. Yes. So, um, yeah, I mean, there's no wrong answer there. Um, but, uh, I mean, if Messi's isn't the best debut, uh, it's certainly very, very close. So, um, I, I'm not willing to concede MLS cup for the next three years. Like some people on Twitter, uh, I, I don't think that Miami is going to roll over everyone um, as easily as people expect. I think some people are, are willing to accept uh, our new overlords uh, in, in Inter-Miami. Uh, I'm not so sure about that. Uh, I, I certainly think Miami has a lot of gaps on that team. Um, but uh, Messi is certainly going to dominate the league and, and be a very, very fun player to watch. And um, I, I don't know if Miami will win MLS Cup next year, but uh, if there is a future on who will be MVP in 2024, uh, I would like one ticket on Lionel Messi. Yeah, it was it was a really fun to watch that game um, and, and the way it played out, too. I, I don't think I think that Miami was was lucky to have won that game. I think they were you know the second best for most of that game. And to to win it in the fashion that they did was just incredible to have that free kick at the very last end of the game and see see Messi put it away. I think I think when you saw that free kick happened, you almost knew Messi was going to score because it was just too too good of a moment for him not to finish that off with with how talented of a player he was. But it was a, a phenomenal phenomenal um, way to kick off his MLS career, even though he clearly is not 100 percent match fit yet and clearly doesn't have the chemistry with his teammates yet but found a way to to show his class throughout that game when he came on and with some you know, great dribbling moves with some times where he you know, turned on defenders and then at the very end scoring on that free kick and I think just more excitement to come from Messi but if you're talking about just pure pure performance and ignoring kind of the theatrics and the celebrity aspect of it I think what Zlatan did in his debut takes the cake Absolutely. And, and one other note, too, I think a few weeks ago we got a question if there were going to be any roster rules uh, with Lionel Messi coming in. And I remember saying at the time, well, Messi is coming in, you know, he, he just takes up a DSP spot. You know, he, he's one of those players that can kind of circumvent the cap. Uh, but it seems like Messi is bringing in enough friends 
that it might change the rules. So kind of a, a cold take already on that one. Uh, it seems like Miami is forcing the league to change the rules so Messi can bring in as many Barcelona players uh, as he still has in his phone. Um, so I, I'm curious to see what comes of that. I will spare everyone the details of talking about roster rules on this podcast and keep this to a nice, tidy under an hour. Uh, but uh, that that's also going to be some something very interesting that we might have to talk about in the future. Oh, yeah, there, there will definitely be changes next year, I think, and it, probably at a minimum a fourth DP spot to make everything work. But uh, that's that's a topic for a much longer, <laughs> much longer time at another show. Um, with that, any any other final thoughts before we wrap things up and, and where can people find you on social media? Yeah, well, actually, I do just want to say, too, I think a lot of people coming into Leagues Cup felt that, um, you know, there'd be a lot of rotation in this game. Um, this would be kind of more for the youngsters. And we saw Bruce Arena come out with a starting 11 lineup. Uh, he didn't rotate his young players in. Uh, I think it's just worth kind of pointing out that this League's Cup is a lot closer to MLS and MLS Cup than it is to the U.S. Open Cup. I think a lot of people thought this was going to be kind of something that Bruce Arena didn't really care much for. Uh, but it's been reported this week that the Kitty uh, and the prize money from uh, Leagues Cup is about $40 million with $2 million going to the winner. Uh, and comparatively, I think the total prize money um, for, for U.S. Open Cup is something like 750000 So U.S. Open Cup compared to Leagues Cup is really, really a small fraction uh, of what you kind of expect. And I know I mentioned Andrew Farrell mentioned um, in last week's press conference that, uh, you know, the, the, the win bonuses are very good uh, for players. So it seems like that is the case. We got confirmation of it this week. So I think a lot of people are expecting this to be um, – we're, we're coming into this thinking this was going to be a nothing game, uh, but uh, I, I think League's Cup is for real, uh, and I think we're going to see every team be very competitive and, and try to actually win these games because money talks. Uh, in terms of where you can find me, uh, you can follow us – well, I mean I'm going to talk about the show, but you can find me, my personal handle at uh, – at Real G Johnstone on Twitter. Uh, you can follow us at Revolution Recap on Twitter, and you can follow us on Threads, Instagram, Facebook, all the usual places. That was all all very good points, and I think the what we'll really be telling though is what we see the lineup be for the Revolution in that San Luis game, and, and how much rotation there is for that. Because you know, going into this game, the Revolution had a full week of rest. It in a lot of ways it made sense to play close to your starting lineup. And they don't have another league game until August twentieth, so I'll, I'll be curious to see what they do against San Luis. If they play a, a very strong lineup against San Luis, then it will really show the Revs are taking this seriously because that will be a game on short rest where there would be some logic to you know resting guys and and making sure people stay healthy. Uh, because I, I think the game against the Red Bulls it would have been crazy to to rotate too much and bench too many guys because again it's, it's a very long gap between the next league game and the revolution had a full week rest for that one so um yeah just just i i, I agree with you overall i think that teams are taking this very seriously i think the but the say i think the san luis game will, will really tell you how seriously the Rebs are taking this agree 100 percent. and sean by the way before we go do we have any show announcements we got to make yes we should we should quickly mention that we have merch now uh on the believe shop so if you go to believe.com and click on the shop we have a t-shirt that you can get in three different colors um and we have a mug that you can get in two different sizes and those are the options for now and if the people people purchase them there might be more options in the future so check that out <laughs> and i was gonna say i will give a shout out to the first person to wear a revolution recap t-shirt to gillette stadium uh, <laughs> i know there was a podcast that did uh 
they retweeted everyone who, who it was a baseball podcast and they retweeted everyone who wore uh, their merch to different stadiums and they tried getting all 30 MLB ballparks and all minor leagues. I think we might have to do something like that. So uh, if you're a Connecticut fan, I want to see it at a Hartford athletic game. I want to see it at Vermont green next year. Uh, I want to see revolution recap merch uh, all over the world personally. Uh, but uh, first, <laughs> well, why don't we do baby steps? Why don't we do baby <laughs> steps and just start with Gillette's team? Yeah, I'll, I'll take that. <laughs> Anyways, thanks again to everyone for listening to Revolution Recap presented by Bet Online. I believe we'll be back on Wednesday or Tuesday or Thursday or whatever after the St. Louis game with another podcast. But you can follow us on all the social media platforms that Craig mentioned, and we'll keep you updated there on what our next episode is.